Last week, we looked at Philippians 2, 1-4, and we examined the monster of selfishness that lurks within all of us. We all, just naturally, what about me? Where's mine? I want it my way. We're hardwired that way. And we saw that selfishness is the number one killer of relationships. By far. You, you want to kill relationships? Just be all about you. And we discovered the surprisingly straightforward way to kill the monster of selfishness. Philippians 2.3 Think of others better than yourself. Philippians 2.4 Put your needs, put the needs of others before yourself. We, we said it this way. You before me. You before me. That's the killer of selfishness. Today, we're going to stumble upon another deadly enemy of joy. Okay, so last week it was selfishness. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the cancer of complaint. The cancer of complaining and whining and grumbling. We're going to discover that joy is killed on the corrupt altar of complaint. Joy is killed on the corrupt altar of complaint. Now, here, let me explain something. Complaining doesn't have to do with people, okay? When you're complaining about people, that's called criticism. Got it? So that's not what we're talking about. Uh, complaining is grumbling about circumstances. They're not wrong. It's not sin. You're just not pleased. I don't like the weather. I don't like what's happening with COVID. I don't like the traffic. I don't like uh, slow internet. Do you understand? And you grumble and you whine and you complain. And you're really not doing anything about it except for complaining. That, that's what complaining is. You're not really doing anything, but you're just murmuring and whining and grumbling about it. We know that the church in Philippi was enduring attacks and persecution, just like the Apostle Paul. You want to go back, look at chapter 1 and verse 30, and he talks about, you're you're suffering and so am I. So now Paul is appealing to the church at Philippi. I think he's uh, appealing to the church at Walloon, and he's going to talk today about the danger of complaint. He's going to talk today about uh, the cancer of complaint. Stand with me, please, if you're able, and let's read out loud together why joy is killed on the altar of complaint. Would you read with me? Here we go. Let's read together. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ 
that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for... uh, Reminding us that whining, murmuring, grumbling is not a part of your plan for your kids. So would you help us uh, to see it from your perspective? Because we live in a grumbling, whining, complaining world. And Lord, uh, this side of heaven, we all still have an old sinful nature that kind of enjoys it. (laughs) We kind of enjoy grumbling and whining. So would you help us to understand the danger of allowing complaint to sink its tentacles into our souls? And would you show us clearly today why it matters to you when we complain? I want to pause just for a moment, Lord, because we've got some folks in the family who are hurting. I pray for Amy and Marty and their family. Lord, they uh, lost their daughter, Marissa, this week. And they're uh, really hurting right now. So I I pray, Lord, you might bring peace and hope and comfort to them. Rain down your grace and your mercy, Lord. And I pray for us as church family that we might love and care for Amy and Marty during this really challenging time for them. And we lift up uh, Vaughn Glassford, who's in the hospital right now. And, And I pray for wisdom for the doctors And I'm praying, Lord, that uh, you will bring some healing to Fawn's body right now. And uh, you just work powerfully. That's what we would ask. Uh, Lord, uh, you come and uh, take charge today in your church. We ask that your Holy Spirit might be welcome today in each and every one of our lives. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one thankful voice, you can be seated. Verse 12, Philippians chapter 2. Dear friends, Paul writes, You were obedient when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important that you work hard to show the results of your salvation. When I was with you, you were great. But now I'm gone, it's even more important that you're working hard to show the results of your salvation. Have you noticed that the test of obedience for our children and our grandchildren, it's not right there when we're in the same room with them? Have you noticed that? It's, it's well, of course, they're going to obey because we're right there. We're watching the test of obedience. The real test is how they obey when mom and dad or grandma and grandpa have stepped out of the house for a few moments. And now the real test of obedience comes. Um, I don't know if you know this. I don't even know if I'm supposed to share this, Chad, but I'm going to anyway. Okay, here we go. Uh, We recently installed a bunch of security cameras in the youth center. So, I I mean, they're they're all over the place. And you can uh, get on with your phone if you have the right codes and stuff. And you can look at like, I don't know, 12 or 15 uh, different cameras going on. 24-7 recording what's going on in the youth center. Do we trust our teens? Yes, we do. 
Are we verifying all the behavior in the youth center is good and right and profitable? Yes, we are. You understand? So that's, that's what security cameras are all about. It's verifying that everything's good. Okay? Go back to verse 12. God's word is reminding us we've got a watching world following our every move. There are eyes on our actions and our words and our behavior. If you think that's just security cameras, you're wrong. Everybody's watching. Verse 12, work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's Paul's challenge. Work hard to show that Jesus has changed you from the inside out. Now, how can we do that? How can we do that on a daily basis? Verse 13, he's going to tell us. He says, for God is working in you. And God is working in you to give you the power to do what pleases him. Does, does that make sense? God's working in us, and he's giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's powerful stuff. So where does the power come from? Where, where's the power come from? Verse 13. Who, who brings the power to our lives? God, the Lord, Jesus, yeah. God working in us, it's Jesus and his spirit in me and in you. And Jesus is working in us and the power of God himself is alive and working through us. It's pretty amazing. It really is. Verse 14, then he says this. You, you want to do it my way? You want to do it with my power? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Uh, how much are we supposed to do without complaining and arguing? How much? That's, that's, that's pretty encompassing, would it not be? Do everything so no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of a crooked and perverse people. Okay? Um, Caleb, put some, put some uh, slides up there for us, would you? Why? Why? Uh, because we're just like stars shining on a dark night, okay? These are from the Hubble. Uh, we live in a world of crooked and perverse people. Paul is challenging us here. Shine bright, church. Church at Philippi, church at Walloon. Shine bright. I, I want you to be shining so that everybody can see you're different than they are. Because you got the power of Jesus in you. Um, 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. How do you shine bright? How do we stand out? And the answer is, verse 14, we don't complain or argue like everybody else. This world is a complaining, whining, murmuring world. And we don't complain, we don't argue like the world around us. Um, First question, why is complaining and whining wrong and sin? Why is that a problem? Everybody does it, right? Everybody whines, everybody complains, everybody grumbles. Why is complaining a big deal? First, complaining affects our relationship with Christ. It's, it is complaining, and when we whine and complain... We are questioning God's character. We're saying, 
God, you've allowed this situation, you've allowed this weather, you've allowed this pandemic to go on, and I'm not sure you know what you're doing. I'm not sure this is fair. I'm not sure this is right. Um, I'm doubting because if you really loved me, you wouldn't allow this situation to be going on. You've got the whole world in your hands, but here's my complaint. I think you messed up. I think you forgot about me and this dumb eyeball of mine. You understand? It's like, Lord, do you know what you've allowed into my life? Do you know? Are you paying attention? Why are you allowing this COVID stuff to fire back up? And we whine and we complain and we grumble. It's questioning God's character. Second reason why it's wrong is because complaining harms me. Complaining harms you, okay? When we complain with our mouths, we're expressing doubt. We're, we're expressing distrust. And here's the deal. When we're expressing doubt and we're not trusting, that's how joy gets drained, okay? I'm no longer trusting that you know what you're doing, Lord. And now joy is replaced with bitterness and anger and complaining, and whining, and grumbling sets up camp in our hearts, and in our minds, and here's the truth, over time you keep doing it long enough, pretty soon there's a stronghold. Pretty soon we've allowed Satan to come and set up a stronghold in our lives, and where did that come from? We don't have any more joy, I'm not trusting, but that whining, complaining, grumbling mindset allows Satan and his enemy to set up camp in our lives. Third, why is complaining, grumbling, whining a problem? Because complaining is contagious. Birds of a feather do what? They do. They do. And as I complain about the weather, as I listen to you grumble about the politician you don't like, as we watch television shows that are all about whining, complaining, what's going on in the world, we catch the cancer of complaint. You hang with people who are whining, complaining, grumbling, you listen to them long enough, and guess what? Suddenly I got it. <laughs> and now I'm contagious, and now I'm sharing it with other people as well. Number four, uh, why else uh, is whining, complaining, grumbling, why is that a problem? Because it contributes to a negative outlook on life, okay? Uh, if you just keep on whining and everything that comes, you're verbally saying, oh, I don't, I don't like this and I don't like that. You are contributing to a pessimistic way of life. And here's the truth. Are you ready? Give me your eyeballs. I'll give you mine. Followers of Jesus, we should be the most optimistic upbeat, hope-filled people on the planet. Amen? I'm telling you, we're loved, we're forgiven, we're children of the King. Um, you've set me free from sin. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I've got Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I've got God's book. I've got the church family. And oh, by the way, the best is yet to come. So we have more reason than anybody to be positive, upbeat, looking for the best. 
Complaining, complaining, whining, grumbling, whining goes the exact opposite direction. And now, unchurched Harry and Mary, they're looking at us, and we're whining, and we're saying, no thanks, there's nothing there that I need. I already got that. So, here's the question. How on earth can we destroy the cancer of complaint? Okay? If, if it's such a strong cancer, and most of us are prone to this, how do we kill it? How do we destroy uh, and get victory over this joy killer? How do we shine bright as stars in this dark and crooked and perverse world? Okay, first, if you're taking a note, here it goes. You might want to know, how, how do we do it? We're going to have to work hard at developing an attitude of gratitude. Work hard and, and Work hard, you sure? Uh, look at verse 12. It says, work hard at your salvation. So we need to work hard at replacing the grumbling and the complaining with thankfulness. It's a choice. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. Say it with me. In give thanks. So how do we complain? How do we do it? With our mouths. So how should we give thanks? It makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> so I, I complain with my mouth. So when I'm giving thanks, you need to say it right out loud. Thank you, Lord, for the green lights. I was going to be late. You need to start notice, but now I'm not going to be late. Thank you for the green lights. Thank you for the rain. I had plans today, but you know what? My, my grass, my flowers, we, they really, they're brown. They could use the rain. Thank you, Lord. Uh, be on the lookout for situations that you can praise Jesus about. That's huge, okay? So you're going to have to work hard at it. This isn't just going to, uh, I'll just sit back. Maybe it'll, no, it's not going to come. Second way to kill the cancer of complaint. Verse 13. For God is working in you. God is working to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. The power of the Holy Spirit lives where? Where? Show me. Right here. Right here. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus lives here in spirit form. And He partners with us in our desire to change to kill the grumble. Make sense? So He lives here. And now I'm, he will partner with us, it says, verse 13, and he'll give us the power to do what pleases him. And he's just told us, no more complaining, no more arguing. Now, the number one weapon against suffering, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. What, what's the number one weapon against suffering? Are you ready? It's a daily, consistent, walking with, abiding Allowing Jesus and his fruit to work in me. That's the number one weapon against suffering. Now last week, we looked at uh, selfishness. Do you remember? And we said, the number one weapon against selfishness is a daily, consistent, abiding, walking with Jesus and staying connected to the vine. What do you suppose the number one weapon 
against complaint is. Any guesses? Are you ready? (laughs) It's the same answer. It's the daily, consistent, abiding, connecting to, allowing the Spirit of Jesus to flow in my veins and in my life and in my mind. That's the number one weapon against complaining. It's God working in us. We need to let Him work through us and His power has the ability and the power to kill complaint. A third way to kill the cancer of grumbling and whining. You ready? I need to declare war on all forms of complaint. So, um, when I hear complaining words come out of my mouth, Jose, instantly I notice and I do the U-turn and I run to Jesus and I say, Jesus, that was sin. And I confess it as such, and now I'm asking, Lord, give me strength and victory over complaint. You're going to have to declare war on complaint. And again, as soon as you hear, as soon as you notice complaint rolling off your lips, uh, Lord, I know you allow this hard stuff in my life. You're working to accomplish good things in my life. I trust you once again. Uh, fourth, fourth way we kill the cancer of complaint. You might have noticed that we're emphasizing complaining and grumbling more than the argue. Did you notice that? It says, uh, no longer, uh, don't allow, verse 14, any complaining and arguing. Why aren't you emphasizing argue as much? Because arguing is usually the result of complaining and grumbling. Okay? And I'll show you in a bit, um, the point that he's making flows off of back in Deuteronomy, and it's a quote here, and it's all about the complaining, whining going on with the children of Israel. Okay? Okay. But let's talk about argue for just a minute. Arguing in the body. Arguing as followers of Jesus. Uh, Romans 14 is one of my very favorites because it tells us how to navigate disputable matters. Did you know that most church fights are over disputable matters? It has nothing to do with sin. It's over an issue that Christians who love Jesus equally can honestly disagree about. And did you know that most of our fights are over disputable matters? Most of the things we want to argue about are non-sin issues. And, he, and Paul gives principles to the church at Rome. One principle, don't judge or condemn one another on disputable matters. I'm the judge. Let me be the judge. You don't judge one another. Second principle, seek the Lord for your personal conviction. In, in other words, you don't just do everything that's disputable Uh, You seek the Lord and have him show you, make it clear, make it obvious, and then I have a personal conviction on issues that are non-sin matters. That's two of the main principles found in Romans chapter 14. But I'd like to point out verse 22. Here's what it says, okay? It says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. You've got a personal conviction Um, but keep it between yourself and God. 
Okay, so you've sought out the Lord, and he's shown you, this is what I have for you on this matter. And he says, now you know what you're going to do, but I want you to keep your personal conviction personal. Keep it between yourself and God, okay? Want to start a good argument? Want to, want to start a good fight? Want a good ugliness going on? Okay? Go on Facebook and tell everyone what you think about the COVID vaccine. Just go ahead. Just give all your gut, okay? And, and I promise you, you're going to have dozens and dozens and dozens of people who want to fight with you about it. Or if you want to go a different direction, um, go, go on and tell everyone what you think about some well-known politician. Okay? You just go and you just, you know, diarrhea of the mouth, go for it and just let it rip. Um, I promise you, you're going to have lots and lots of debate and argue and ugliness coming. Or you really want to be a little unique. Go on and tell everyone on, on the book of faces how they should school their children. Okay? You just go and you go on and on and tell them why this is the one method that they should homeschool, they should public school, they should Christian school, they, they should charter. You just keep going. You tell everybody what you think and why they should do what you're thinking there. Okay? It's disputable matters. And I'm telling you what, <laughs> when we just go on and on about our personal convictions, we disobey this command. Verse 22, that's a command. Keep it between yourself and God. When we blurt out to anybody and everybody our personal convictions on disputable matters, you know what we're doing? We're creating arguments. We're creating division. And did you know there are families who don't talk to each other? You know why? Because they just went at it on disputable matters, and now they're so angry with each other, they don't even want to talk. There, there are um, divisions in church. Churches fight. Almost all church fights. I haven't heard a good church fight over doctrine in a long time. It's almost always disputable matters. You're going to destroy, create division. Families, churches, friends don't talk to each other anymore. Why? Because they just wanted to talk about disputable matters. And pretty soon they're at each other's throats. We're disobeying the command... We're creating arguments when we don't keep our views on personal convictions between ourselves and God. That's a huge one. It took me a long time. I don't pretend like I always had that. Um, I work real hard at it now. Um, fifth and final way to kill the cancer of complaint. Remember the example of the children of Israel. Remember the example of the children of Israel. Um, the Lord hates complaining lips. Hope you know that. And <clears throat> this is significant because look with me, Philippians 2.15. Paul is actually quoting Moses in Deuteronomy 32.5 when Moses, at the end of his life, 
is remembering the complaining, the whining, the murmuring, and the lack of faith with the children of Israel. So we know Paul has in mind Moses and the children of Israel. Um, Turn with me if you have your Bible. Let's go to Numbers chapter 21, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers are on your phone. It's book number four, Old Testament. Before we read, understand this was the days right after the Lord delivered the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. They were slaves. They were miserable. They cried out, Lord, please get us out of here. So the Lord raises up Moses and he leads them out. And this is just a few days after they walked across the Red Sea on dry land. And they got across and they looked back. And now comes Pharaoh's army. And now the waves crash down. And they're all drowning uh, in the background. Do you understand? So this had just happened, okay? And uh, here's... What's going on? Verse 4, Numbers 21. Then the people of Israel sent out from Mount War, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. Do you understand? This is a circumstance. This is a situation. Uh, It's not sin. They don't want to walk, but they're impatient. Verse 5 And they begin to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. They are complaining. They are grumbling against God, against Moses. And you say, "Hmm, I wonder if the Lord will just let this one go. Verse (laughs) 6, so the Lord (laughs) didn't let it go. He sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many (laughs) were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out. Verse 7, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes So Moses prayed for the people, verse 8. Then the Lord told Moses, make a replica of a poisonous snake. Attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. Verse 9. So Moses made a snake out of bronze, attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Is that not a wild story? (laughs) It really is. So I have my own version of the uh, bronze pole here. Okay? Okay? Um, The children of Israel are whining and complaining. They don't like their circumstances. My feet hurt. My knees are aching. My back is a mess. I don't like this lousy food. Manna is awful. Are we going to die out here? Why did the Lord even bring us out of Egypt? Can I just say, let's be very careful about complaining about the circumstances the Lord allows in our lives. 
Think about it. The Lord is allowing things to go on in your life, and if we're not careful, you know what the natural thing is just to whine and complain and murmur and grumble, and I just want you to know uh, this is exactly where I'm living right now. So I I want you to know I I get this um, because right now I catch myself grumbling about my lousy eye. It's my trial, my Lord, uh, this is my lot and I don't like it. And I know this, if I don't get a hold of this, I'm going to live in the wilderness for a long time. If, if the Lord doesn't give me victory here, if I don't kill the cancer of complaint, I'm going to be complaining and whining and living without joy in the wilderness for a long, long time. Okay? The Lord says, this is my plan for you. This is my desire. I'm going to give you the grace and the strength to endure. I'm going to, I'm going to help you learn and grow from this. Uh, so hang in there, okay? But think, this is for Pastor Brant. By the way, did you know Pastor Brant hates, despises uh, snakes? Okay? Yeah, I heard an amen back there. You have a brother right back there, okay? So, think here. When the children of Israel got bit by the poisonous snake, they're going to die unless by faith they look at the brass snake and it says, and they can live. Think about it. So when you get bit by faith, you're going to have to believe that God has provided a remedy. God has provided an answer. And here's the answer. Look at the brass snake by faith. Trust that God's provision, God's cure is true and you'll live. <laughs> so, so here's my question. Where's our brass snake today? Where's our brass snake? Because we've been bitten as well. We've been bitten by the snake of complaint. We've been bitten by the snake of selfishness. We're all in process. We're going to die. Here's my question. Where's our bronze snake? And I got good news for you. Ready? Turn with me to the Gospel of John, would you? Gospel of John, chapter 3. This is pretty cool. John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he... His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, what? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? We love that verse. Guess what the, the couple of verses just before that are? This is fun. Verse 14, John 3. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness... He's looking back, Numbers chapter 1. Here's what he says. So the Son of Man must be lifted up too. So Jesus Christ must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Okay, With Moses, uh, you could live. But when you look at Jesus, the Son of Man, you get eternal life. Okay, 
Everybody here today, give me your eyes, we've all been bitten by the snake of sin. Every one of us, we've all been bitten by the snake of complaint, and we're going to die too without a cure, without a remedy. I'm going to go way back here, okay? Can you follow me back here, cameras, maybe? I don't know if you can. Where's our cure? Hey, Tim, guess where our cure is? Right over here. Jesus on the cross lifted high. Is that not good? Jesus was lifted high. And back in Numbers 21, they had to, in faith, look up and believe that God has provided the cure. God's provided the cure for us, too. Did you know that? His name is Jesus Christ. And you've been bitten by that old poisonous snake of sin, and so have I. And the only cure, the only remedy is for us to look to the cross where Jesus was lifted high, where Jesus took your place and Jesus took mine. <laughs> and he is the cure, the remedy. When we've been bitten by the snake of complaining and whining and murmuring and grumbling. Jesus is the only cure for us. Have you looked up in faith? Have you believed? Have you received him by faith? Let's pray as we close. Lord, um, I, I pray for those who are watching online. I pray for those who are here in the building. And the truth is, Lord, we've all been bitten by the snake of sin. There's none of us who've not sinned in uh, so many ways. We all fall, we all fail in many different ways, James tells us. So right now, Jesus, we look to the cure. We look to the remedy. And you took our place on that cross. Jesus, we know you shed your blood for the poison of my sin, for the poison of all of our sin. Jesus, you took our place in the grave. And we're grateful, Lord, you didn't stay dead. Lord, early Sunday morning, you victoriously arose from the dead. You did that for me. You did that for all of us here, those watching online. And right now, by faith, you can receive the only cure, the only solution to your sin problem and mine. You know what it is? Jesus, I believe as I look to the cross, you did that for me. I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. I believe you took my place in the grave and victoriously, Jesus, I receive you as my living Savior. Take charge of my life today. Is there anybody today say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm ready to choose life today. I'm ready to receive eternal life in Jesus Christ, and I want to do that right now. Anybody? I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray with you. You don't, you don't have to stand. I'm not going to make you come down, but boy, I'd love to pray with you and for you. Anybody watching online, if that's you, you can hit that button, and we'll pray with you right, right now. Lord, thank you for being the cure and the remedy to our poison sin problem. Thank you, Lord, that uh, 
Even though we naturally whine and complain, we don't like hard and painful circumstances, Lord, thank you that you give us victory over the cancer of complaint. Help us to work hard. Help us, Lord, to work hard at staying full of you and your spirit. Lord, would you help us to replace complaint with gratitude and thankfulness? Help us to shine bright. We're living in a dark and crooked and perverse world. Lord, might your church stand out as we live strong for your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all of these things. Amen.